and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the things that we are obsessed with. Except today, we're actually four Orthodox women, but I'll get to that in a second. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tamar Herman. Hi! And S.M. Rosenberg. Hello! And the aforementioned fourth Nice Jewish fangirl joining us today is Panina Gershman, who was the host of the amazing Harry Potter podcast, Harry Potter Prognostications, way back in the day. That should maybe give you a hint as to what we're discussing today, which is Harry Potter in all its amazingness. So welcome to the show, Panina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. It's been like way too long since we've actually spoken in person. I agree 100%. We got to do this more often. Yeah, seriously. I'm also like every so often, I'm like, oh, I should go invite myself to the Gershman's for Shabbos again. And like, and then I'm uh, like, absolutely. that's rude. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, you should. You definitely should. And you guys are welcome to come as well tomorrow in SM. That would be amazing. Okay, <laughs> awesome. I, I think I actually invited all three of us to somebody else's house. That we I was about to say, this seems to be a trend. We should have like a uh njf like shabbaton rotating each month yeah and then you guys can podcast about it like your experience is going from one house to the other like Uh. meals like rate them i'm I'm totally kidding (laughs) well as i recall the food was delicious when we went to you for shabbos but i would love it if you would come awesome okay we will have to plan something but anyway so yes today we are going to be discussing harry potter uh the reason for that is because we actually just passed the 20th anniversary of the release of Harry Potter, and I guess it would be the Philosopher's Stone because it's the UK release. They weren't doing it simultaneously yet. And we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is freaking insane. <laughs> like, I just read it yesterday. I mean, that's what it feels like. It was it was really 10 years ago. But yeah, like, it's oh. bonkers. I still remember the feeling of, of, of closing the book after finishing it. Like, I, I remember that feeling. Yeah, I just remember crying. Well, we'll talk about what we remember. But <laughs> before that, as always, we're going to do our obsessions. Um, Pina, would you like to go first? Sure. And hopefully, I, I don't know if anyone else will have this obsession as well. It's not really an obsession, but it's something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, we're very um, we're liberal with the uh, term obsession, actually. I mean, I've, I've had obsessions in my life, believe me. I mean, <laughs> and, and Harry Potter was one of them, and it lasted years. And my family makes fun of me. I mean, I've had Broadway obsessions. I'm a little bit crazy. I'm actually really happy to say that I don't currently have an obsession because it makes my life a lot easier and a lot less expensive. So sad. Unfortunately, I passed the obsessions gene onto my kids, and it's getting like really expensive in that area now with them. So it's better that I don't have any. I, I, sidebar, I completely know how you feel because I know the feeling of like being at, for example, like Comic-Con and seeing a long line of excited people and being like, oh God, do I have to get excited? And then like yes. get on this line and then I'll be like, what is this? And it'll be something I don't know. And I'll be like, oh, thank God. Okay. I don't care. No. And also it also, just, it, it takes off the pressure. It takes off, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I refuse to get obsessed. Glad I refuse to listen to Dear Evan Hansen because I'm scared I'm going to get obsessed with that or you know, something like that. <laughs> So, um, but so I actually just finished at the beginning of this week. I finished watching Glow on Netflix. I don't know if any of you guys watched it. Yes. Yeah, but it was Glow was great. Um, first of all, I'm a child of the '80s, so it brought me back. It brought me back actually to my first summer at Camp Sternberg, when there was a girl who came and was obsessed with the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Actually, I had never heard of 
this phenomenon and here I was and this girl came and the first day of camp she started putting up posters of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling which is what GLOW stands for so GLOW is a show that goes back to the 80s it's a really and I said this to somebody it's a really easy watch which I think nowadays sometimes it's really good to have one of those because not every show could be Game of Thrones or Orange is the New Black that are just so heavy um, obviously in different ways um, it was a really easy watch. It's a half hour at a time. They do the 80s really well. It's not forced. It's just a very natural um, way of doing it. The actresses are great. The actors are great. I, I really, really recommend it. Yeah, I actually, I was just on vacation and my sister and I like binged it also while we were uh, on vacation. And it was, it's really, really good. And you're totally right. Like, yeah, I'll actually pointed this out too. Like it's not stressful to watch. Like there's, there's emotional stakes and it's, you know, it's not, it's not fluffy, but it's very, I mean, not the fluffy is bad, but it's not a fluffy show, but like it really does get, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like you're a teeny bit like tense while you watch it, just tense in the like engaged way. And then you kind of like are done and it's good. Right. And it's an easy binge. I watched two episodes one day, and then I watched the next eight episodes on this past Sunday. And when I finished it, I didn't feel tired. I was just like, okay, great. That's great. I'm done. Yeah. All right. Moving on. It's like a breath mint of a show. Exactly. (laughs) I do have to say, actually, Betty Gilpin, um, I was watching it, and I was like, who is she? She's so familiar. And Yao had no idea. Isn't she in American Gods? Yes, she is. She is Audrey in American Gods. And, like, when I saw her in American Gods, I was like, oh my god who is this actress she's incredible she's like that is a show with a lot of big names in it and she i mean she's not in a ton of scenes with with the famous people but she steals the show she like actually steals it she she plays like the the spurned wife of of well for reasons um and she is just incredibly hilarious and bitter and and kind of similar to how she is in glow but kind of just like with a much sharper edge and yeah so now I, I was like oh my god I have to follow her on Twitter which is my my version of I really like this actor <laughs> that's great yeah um Tamar how about you what's your obsession I'm switching my obsessions uh, obsession no 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 do what you were gonna do <laughs> well, we're gonna talk discuss... about K-Con. you can't not talk about KCON but I really want to discuss Doctor Who and we're gonna discuss both... We're going to discuss cons later this summer, no? Okay, fine. I mean, I can talk about it. Fine, I just won't get my Doctor Who out, whatever. No, no, no. If you need, uh, if you need to release it's your fine. Doctor Who feels, you can release your Doctor Who feels. That, that might be... I think I already let them go. I just was going to comment without spoilers, and I guess KCon, I can talk about spoilers, because it happened. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you so... ruined it. Um, I'm not ruining Doctor Who for anyone, but I probably would because I got really confused at some points. I tweeted it though, so if anybody wants to see my spoilers, they're on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so I went to KCON a few weeks ago. I actually spent Shabbos in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center, like a hotel right there so that I could attend. Um, I, I was like magically only assigned things to do Friday day and Moche Shabbos night so that was really great because in LA I like had to like remember everything that I needed to remember to write up my articles but I got really lucky that there was someone else splitting coverage for Billboard with me at KCON and I should have probably started this but KCON is 
the largest um, Korean music festival and convention. The, the biggest one is in LA and that's in August and this little Newark, New Jersey one, which is called KCON New York, was held a few weeks ago. It was a pretty big deal. They claimed to get 40,000 people in attendance. Um, it may have been more than that. Whatever. I don't remember what their claim was. I was I was in the press room the whole day, so I really have no idea because I was not standing outside. And it was like that really gross week a few weeks ago where it was like ridiculously disgusting Friday and Shabbos. So I just literally sat in the AC the whole day. I did not see the booths part of the convention until like 4 p.m. on Shabbos when I was finally like, okay, who wants to accompany me? Because I couldn't use my phone or anything. So if someone needed to get in touch with me, my friends had my phone. Um, so pretty much I got to talk to some of my favorite Korean acts. And uh, Panina, I probably don't know this about me, but I'm like the Jewish K-pop queen. I write for Billboard about Korean pop music. That's like what I love doing. That's amazing. Um, amazing. Uh, so um, I got to actually, um, I just posted it today. I interviewed the band Highlight, who I've previously spoken about on this podcast because it was really emotional when they switched their name and switched their identity and everything. So it's kind of crazy that this podcast has been going on long enough that like something that I was upset about has now been really exciting. Um, but so I got to speak to several bands there. I got to speak to some producers. Um, I got to see you some of these pictures with all of them i didn't take pictures so with all of them pictures. i only took they're pictures so cute i took pictures with four um there's one more that's going up i'm just trying to figure out the format for this article because when a k-pop band is really new they like say everything really 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 safe so like the interview is not necessarily interesting to do a full feature but i feel like it's a cop out if i do a q a so i have one more that might go up tonight if, if i decide to cop out with a q a yeah, I the one I posted tonight on social was with the band Highlight, and like I've followed them since like day one back in 2009, and this is the first time I've spoken to a band that this has happened to. This is the first time I've seen this band. Like I went to their concert when I lived in Korea in 2013. I like wear their pajama shirt to bed, and like I'm not a crazy fan. I just like buying concert T-shirts. So when my friends and I decided to go to this concert. Um, I just happen to have it, but like, I do like them. They're a really good band and they like really, you, you like should have seen, I mean, like, I know you guys don't care, but it was really crazy because they had, they, because they switched their name, they're not legally allowed to use all of their old songs, but they're allowed to use the old songs that one of the members produced. So like, we weren't sure if they would play any of their old songs or if they'd only do their new stuff. So they did two other new songs and then they did like, I'm not going to say it's their worst single when there are like the old name beast, but it's not my favorite single. Yeah. Um, and like, we were just excited that they were playing it. So like me and my friends all got up in our seats and our friend was actually writing a review for our blog. And she like put in this like really like shady line, like all the old people in the audience, like stood up and started dancing. We're like, whatever, like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not babies like they're they've been around for almost a decade now um and then suddenly they like broke out into like one of my favorite songs ever and then they followed it up with another one of my favorite songs ever so it was really really exciting and everyone got like super hyped and I think it was like the best concert performance I've seen in a while which sucks that it was only five songs um but yeah I did that I don't know 
awesome. pretty much all KCON was this year. Yeah. And I just want to say for the record that Tamar looks amazing in all of these pictures. Like, Aww. better than the band members. I'm just, I'm not even talking. <laughs> it's also, it's really fun to see, like, because, you know, I mean, I should be used to this by now, but, like, pictures of, like, Korean bands, like, coming across my Facebook feed and like you know these people who i don't know but like clearly have the famous look about them very rarely smiling and then tamar <laughs> like oh, okay cool right <laughs> so so it's actually funny because i've been doing i've like been posting all these pictures on like social and instagram is usually the biggest one and i happened to interview a really popular taiwanese band last week but they're not pop be like they're they're in their 40s like they're just this really insanely influential Taiwanese rock band and I like posted a picture on Instagram and it was my first ever post on Instagram to get over a thousand likes and I'm just like watching this I'm like you didn't do this for like BTS who like won a billboard award this year who's like crazy on Twitter like you can't avoid them in comments on YouTube and I was like how did my BTS picture only get 400 but this Taiwanese band who most of my friends who like are in the music industry don't know anything about get a thousand um so this has been a busy two weeks for me I, I literally was waking up at 5 a.m last week just trying to get basic basic articles done and I failed horribly at that so uh, luckily this week I've had off from my day job so I kind of was able to relax a little bit and get some more things done in there as <laughs> um what is your current obsession um my current obsession that I started I think like a day or two ago um is Riverdale oh. um the uh the dark and edgy and gritty adaptation of Archie comics that nobody knew they wanted but apparently um people decided to do it and it's actually really good and one of the things that really surprised me uh pleasantly is the uh female characters and the relationships between the female characters and there's some like really good um empowering and positive portrayals of female friendship, which you don't always get, um, especially especially in, like, ensemble shows. There's often, you know, like, it's usually mostly guys, and then there's, like, the girl, you know, and so you don't really get to see the girl and her friends and, like, her interact with any, you know, of her other female characters. Um, and this has some really good... Um, this has a really great friendship between Betty and Veronica. I wasn't sure if they were going to go the friendship route with them or if they were going to make them into, like, catty enemies, which would have been a lot less compelling to me. Um, but they made them into really strong friends, I think, and I really enjoy that dynamic. And they also have some really good mother-daughter relationship going on with, um, with Veronica and her mother. Um, who is the only other Hermione that I can think of in pop culture other than Harry Potter's Hermione. Um, and, yeah, I'm only, like, I don't know, five episodes in, but I'm enjoying it a lot, and um, it's very stylized. I miss a lot of the visual stylized parts of it because I'm usually doing it while doing other things. Um, like, I... I've been doing a lot of sewing and I've been doing a lot of coloring and I've been doing a lot of cooking. So I um, am not always, you know, able to fully appreciate the aesthetic of the show. But when I do happen to glance up at the screen um, and not just listen to the dialogue, um, it's always, you know, it's, it's beautifully shot and composed and the colors are 
mostly super saturated in some places, you know, and there's makeup is very, you know, heavy on the on the lipstick and the eyeshadow and the mascara and everything is really, um, really heightened and intense because, you know, the comic book origins. Um, and so I, I do like the aesthetic. Um, I don't know what, you know, what else they would have done, you know, to make like a light and fluffy adaptation, you know, would have obviously been totally different show. And I don't know if anyone's ever going to feel like Archie comics has enough substance to make a light and fluffy, you know, show that actually goes anywhere. Um, but I do like what they did with this. Um, and I'm looking forward to see where it's going. I don't know. I see, it seems to be just really lazy. Somebody's like, I want to write a fanfic of Archie and it's going to be really, really dark and like nothing's going to be the same. Cause that's what it sounds like. It sounds like an AU fanfic. Yeah, it basically is. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually thinking of watching Archie. I mean, whatever, Riverdale, whatever it's called. I don't know. <laughs> I've been like kind of eyeing it out of the corner of my eye and everybody talks about it so much. So I've been like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. Um, I was born in Riverdale, hey. New York, can I just say? Same. <laughs> anyway, um, my current obsession, I was actually thinking about whether or not I should do Glow, uh, Panina. Um, oh, I'm so glad. I, I'm glad I went first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure, but now I'm going to I'm gonna go with my other one, um, which was uh, a musical, actually. I saw um, last night Come From Away, which is a uh, musical on Broadway that I was like, you know, it, it kind of, it was, I've heard about it, and it's, like, the story of, like, on 9-11, there were, like, 38 flights in U.S. airspace or heading to U.S. airspace that were obviously, you know, ordered to land. So they all basically landed in this one town of Gander in Newfoundland. And it was about, it's about, you know, the town basically, like, taking this entire population in and, uh, you know, just treating them with such kindness and whatever. So... You know, I kind of knew the broad strokes, and I was like, oh, okay, fine, this will be, you know, fun, a nice, enjoyable, whatever. Um, but I wasn't, like, hugely invested in seeing it. And then, like, honestly, it it, it was incredible. Um, I mean, first of all, the music is, um, is all done kind of in that, like, I mean, I think they must be, like, descended from, like, Scottish people, because they all have that kind of, like, very lilty accent, and it's kind of, like, a similar music um like you know a lot of violin and and those really bouncy awesome the stuff that you would try and make dances to in high school basically um and so the music is great but it's also like it's incredibly heartwarming but it's not at all saccharine like every so often they'll like take a step back and be like some really terrible things happened and you know the world is not the same and there's like you know it's all based on you know, real people who experience this. So, like, you know, there's there's people who think they may have lost someone on 9-11. I won't spoil it, whether or not they actually have. Um, and, you know, Muslim characters who have, um, who are, like, you know, kind of just got on a plane and then are, like, turned into, like, the, you know, everybody is looking at them like they're evil. Um, and they have to live with them for five days. Um, and there's actually... I. I don't know how I did not know this. First of all, I mean about the whole Gander story because I feel like more people should know about it and I really hadn't known much about it. But also in terms of our tiny little community, there was a rabbi <laughs> on one of the planes. Yes, of course there was. <laughs> and like, I, because, and it was so funny because I kept thinking, they were talking about like giving everybody food and like having this constant like, you know, like, you know, they, they gave them everything. Like there was no money exchanged at all. Um, and 
I was just like, what would I eat? Oh my gosh, I would be screwed. Um, and then like this, they they are like, hey, and then there, there's this one guy and they noticed he wasn't eating and they were like, why aren't you eating? And he's like, oh, well, I'm an Orthodox Jew. <laughs> so like, I mean, and it's it's real. Like the guy, I forget his name, but like he's, I think actually uh, a Chabad person. And he um, he ended up getting home like five minutes before Rosh Hashanah. Um, and they helped him because, like, the flight ended up leaving on Shabbos. So, like, the guy drove him to another thing. I mean, it was it was crazy. And it was just very, very um, – I mean, that obviously was, like, a very personal thing. But, like, I was hesitant about whether kind of – like, going into it, I was like, ah, I really don't like 9-11 things because I personally still feel kind of traumatized by it. Like, it was my, like, second day of high school. And it was just extreme – you know, I mean, everybody's – everybody's traumatized by 9-11 um just I've never kind of wanted to revisit it or like go to you know the site or anything um but I found like it was it was incredibly tasteful and just moving and and beautiful and like really um also the cast by the way all look like normal people <laughs> you yeah know? I saw at the Tonys I was like who are the, who are these random people on the stage who can sing like oh my god yeah, yeah. So that, that was incredible. Um, and I honestly, I haven't seen Dear Evan Hansen, um, but my brother has, and um, and he's, he was like, this this should have won. It was, not that Dear Evan Hansen is not amazing, but there's just some, like, I, I'm a really critical person sometimes, especially about, like, you know, I'm, I'm a snob, and I'm like, oh, this musical did this or that or whatever. I, like, first of all, the audience literally leapt to their feet when it was, when, it, like the curtain well there's no curtain but like when when it ended um I've never seen anything like that and also um I was just like that was perfect that was a perfect musical and I never say that like I don't even think wow. Hamilton was perfect um, you like forgot you were going to this I know I forgot I was going <laughs> so I can tell you this is this it kills me because um Come From Away was in previews last year in DC and I live right outside DC and one of my friends said I have I got a group ticket, a, a block of group tickets to see this musical about 9-11. And I promise you, I said to myself, I'm not going to see a musical about 9-11. And all of my friends went, they were like, that was incredible. You have to see it. And it left. And I couldn't see it. And the same thing happened with Dear Evan Hansen two years ago. I'm like, I don't need to see this about, it, it, it's not some cagey kid. I don't need to see this. And this keeps happening to me. And, I, and I'm, I'm actually, I, I was listening to the Broadway channel on my way home from work today. And the song from Come to come from away came on and I thought to myself I don't want to listen to this because I'm gonna love it and now you just just described it Michal and I want to see it so badly honestly like yeah if you can make your way up here it's it's worth it it's really really worth it yeah once again my problem is that I passed on this obsession to my children and now I can't just go see a show by myself anymore (laughs) so it's more than like a 90 buck you know excursion for me it ends up becoming a three hundred dollar excursion yeah so. that's true I, I mean they might have away. discounts i don't know like they i it's it's the the only i guess thing that would be annoying about it is that like usually when you go to a musical like for for better or worse it's like a solid three hours this is like an hour and 40 minutes so it, like there's no intermission which turns out to work well for the play because it, it is very intense but like um yeah, you you do kind of feel like, oh, okay, that was a little bit shorter than a movie, and I just paid for a Broadway ticket. But but it is exceptional, and and I highly highly recommend it. Um, mm. And yeah, as I said, wasn't really expecting to feel anything like that at I all. Really My sister was weeping. 
Yeah, check check like I don't know today ticks maybe has or do they like, have the lottery? Do they do, are they part of the lottery? They might have a lottery. I I know like I mean it's a it's a small theater, but I also like they didn't win the Tony. Like I I feel like this is only only like it's not like Hamilton where it was like the the second the CD dropped, it was like everybody has to see Hamilton. A CD, wow, <laughs> two thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> the second the MP three dropped, um, but I I think it's a little bit more of a sleeper hit. Like you know I'm I'm. I'm fairly knowledgeable about what's going on on Broadway, at least through Yael. Um, and I'd heard, obviously, of Dear Evan Hansen a lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, I had barely, like, I didn't know that this was special, basically. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was kind of just one of those filler musicals that they stuck in the best musical, like, category just to fill it out, you know. And it is definitely not. No, everyone who's seen it says they love it. Yeah. Um, so definitely if you can like check for discount tickets and stuff because yeah very worth it Um, but we're going to turn now to our main topic which is well I guess I mean like Harry Potter we love you (laughs) slash oh my god our lives are so different because of Harry Potter slash crap it's been 20 years (laughs) (laughs) um so we kind of want to get started, I guess, with our, well, I mean, at the beginning. So our very initial introductions to Harry Potter. Like, how did you, um, and I guess I'll, I'll go to you first, Penina. Like, how did you, obviously Harry Potter became a huge part of your life. Like, what was your first interaction with the story? So my absolute first time I ever heard of Harry Potter, we were actually at, at a friend's house. It must have been in, okay, so I'm aging myself. I'm just, I'm, sh- should I put it out there that, like, I'm old? I guess I can. I you mean, can be a fangirl at any age. No, you can be you're a fangirl at kids. any age. Exactly. I'm 40, okay? So, so <gasps> So, the first time I ever heard of Harry Potter, we were actually at a friend's house for Shabbos lunch once. And friends of ours, who's, this is actually really funny, their daughter just graduated high school. She was valedictorian of her class and she got into pen engineering. And they were reading her, she was about three months old, and they were reading her Harry Potter. So, clearly, it works. That's, that's one thing that I have to say. <laughs> It is literally uh, magic. It's literally magic. She's done very well. And she was read Harry Potter at three months of age. And I heard that was the first time I ever heard of this series. And I forgot about it. And then in 2001, um, my husband, Greg, who will become part of this story, um, read it. He's a fantasy guy. He's a, he's a science fiction guy. He loves Star Wars. Anything not, you know, or that didn't seem mainstream at the time um, to, you know, everyone who just loved all quote, regular things like, you know, I don't know, I can't even, you know, anything that seemed a little bit nerdy, he loved. And he said to me, you got to read, read this series. And I'm like, I'm not reading it. I'm not, I, I was one of those people. I don't like fantasy. Like, trust me, read it. I'm like, I don't read fantasy. He finally convinced, he said, read the first book and then you never have to read anymore. And I read the first book <laughs> and just like everyone else, actually, I think right after I read it, I think the, the first movie came out right after that. So I saw, so I read the book saw the movie and then got hooked. I wasn't a huge, and I'm still not a huge fan of the movies, but the fact that it all happened together, I think really, you know, got me into it. And I read the first, at that point, the first four books were out. I read one after the other, after the other. And then I had to wait um, a couple years for the fifth book to come out. So that's how I got started in Harry Potter. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so you, you ran straight into that gap. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm jealous of people. Actually, I'm not. I, I feel bad for people who don't have that gap, but we can we can get into that later. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling. Um, SM, how about you? How did you first meet Harry Potter? 
Well, it's actually an interesting story, and it has to do with my library being very bad at its job. Um, because I was looking for a book by um, Francis Hodgson Burnett. I remember this very clearly. Um, and I was looking for the book Little Lord Fauntleroy, which for some reason is one of the, the her less popular ones that like the, people know about the secret garden. People know about um, a little princess, but little Lord Fauntleroy, for whatever reason is like, um, you know, the forgotten cousin. And I was looking, for, we had gotten it on tape one time and I was looking for an actual book of it. And I had heard about Harry Potter because we had, they gave out in school, they gave out um, occasionally, um, Time magazine inserts for kids, time for kids that were, uh, they were like, you know, three, four pages long. Um, and they addressed a few, you know, of the, you know, top news stories that were going on in the world. Um, and this was when Harry Potter um, and the Prisoner of Azkaban had just been released. Um, and so I saw this and it's like all these people are like crazy about Harry Potter and blah, blah, blah. And they wrote a whole thing about like, you know, what it's about and like how it how J.K. Rowling said that, like, you know, it just strolled into her mind fully formed and whatever. And I was just like, ah, whatever. It doesn't sound like anything special and blah, blah, blah. Another thing, I bet they expect me to just go out and buy a book now, huh? And so I had no intention of getting started on it. Um, because I'm skeptical of anything popular, of course. And then I was in the library and I was looking in the B section for um, Frances Hodgson Burnett's books. And I couldn't find any of her books, um, but I did find a book that was misshelved because it should have been in the R section. And that was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I was like, well, it's right here in front of my face. I might as well try it. Um, and I took it home and I'm pretty sure I finished it that night. And, uh, that was the first, uh, Harry Potter book that entered our home. And I still take credit for my dad ever discovering Harry Potter, although he has conflicting re recollections over whether it was me or, um, an assistant teacher in his, uh, in his grade who turned him onto it. But I insist that it was me, and so it's thanks to me that um, the Harry Potter rabbi exists and the uh, Hogwarts Haggadah exists. It's all all my fault, and all because my library is really bad at its job. <laughs> is this the Queen's Library, the one on Main Street? Uh, yes, the one that the <laughs> one that is currently being renovated and has been being renovated for literally years. I literally um, finished a college degree while it still was undergoing renovation. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. My library is being renovated too. Every library is being renovated that I've ever gone to recently. Maybe it's a yeah, but they like completely knocked down the entire thing and then built it up in an entirely different structure. Um, and in the meantime, the books went um, well. Some of the books, I don't think they even took all of the books, but some of the books moved across the street um, to a temporary location, um, yeah, and they have terrible fight. hours. They've always had terrible hours. They're never open on, on Sundays. They're only open, like, during school hours. So, like, it was the least convenient library. To, and I never used it for school because it was just never open when I was home. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, this, no, thanks good, to this that, library. That, that had a happy ending, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tamar, what, what is your Harry Potter story? Uh, so mine was a little bit 
really straight, more straightforward than everybody else's. Um, I had my third grade teacher, Mrs. Adolph, sat us down. On, uh, the, yeah, she sat us down on the third grade steps at SAR, which like if anybody went there at the time that I did, they'll know what I'm talking about. And working. yeah, we were at the bottom. We were in the bottom classroom. It was the three Z classroom, and Mrs. Adolph, the teacher with purple eyes, introduced us to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But so like I, I read it and I really liked it, and I it was must have been right before. Hanukkah, I guess, that year when she introduced it to us. It was, like, from a scholastic guide, and I don't know how she heard of it, but she told us about it. And I begged my mom to get it, and I got it, and I loved it. And then we were in Toys R Us buying a keyboard for my sister's Hanukkah present, and they had Chamber of Secrets on sale and hardcover, and I never bought hardcover books because who buys hardcover books? They're so expensive. So I begged, 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 begged my mom to get it for me for Hanukkah. And it was supposed to be, like, one of my little nights. Like, we used to get, like, one small thing a night, and then each kid would get one big thing throughout and it'd be like this is your night you get your gift so I um I don't know if my mom knows this I still don't know if she knows this but I snuck into her closet like regularly for like a good few days and just read the whole book in her closet um, <laughs> so that was how with I got the second like what no with her closet light I think I don't remember I used to read a lot with, with a flashlight I'm pretty sure that's why I wear glasses now I'm not going to lie I know that's like not a thing but I'm still convinced it is um so yeah I don't remember how I got the third book but the second book was that but then like years later it must have been if if not the whole series was done like the fifth book was done I found a copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in my basement dedicated for my grandmother like when the book had just come out my grandmother's Canadian so she had the so she had the UK version and it was dedicated for my grandmother, and it was like, I heard this book was really popular, and I thought you'd like it, and little dumb Tamar, third grade, or whatever, second grade Tamar, whatever I was, I could have been in first grade, actually, like, was just like, oh, this book sounds like a philosopher, who, that sounds too smart for me, like, I'm not interested in that, which, which is the reason that they changed it to the Sorcerer's Stone for the U.S. version, so I'm like, <laughs> the exact target. <laughs> you were on top of the trend. <laughs> that they made that change for yeah, like, got my, my mom, like, my, you know, like, everybody else's parents read them books when you're in, like, first, second, third grade. No, 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 I read my mom chapters of Harry Potter, and then she fell asleep. So, <laughs> um, that was how I got into Harry Potter. So, thanks, Mrs. Zadoff. Um, that is awesome. Um, I, I actually also have a bit of a labyrinthine story. Um, it started on a Sunday night. Um, <laughs> actually, it started because my mother um, is very like into children's literature and especially back then was like very on top of what you know the New York Times was recommending and we all had all of like Jim Trelease's like read aloud books and all of that um, and she had heard about I, I guess she'd heard about Harry Potter um, except that simultaneously um, the Disney Channel had aired one of their like Sunday night movies that they used to make that was called Harvey Potter's Balloon Farm and I really liked that movie. And I was like, Ma, can you get me the book that this movie is based on? Not knowing that it was a, a picture book. Um, and so I came home, I guess, the next day or the day after. And I saw Harry Potter on the table. And I was like, no, that's not the book I was talking about. Um, and refused to read it because at that time I didn't realize that I liked fantasy. Um, and yeah, I read it, uh, my sister. And she of course, got obsessed, um, completely fell in love, really wanted me to read it. I refused to read it. Um, not too much longer, we got the British edition of uh, of Chamber of Secrets because I think my dad went on a, 
like I have a vague memory of like my sister like sitting by my father as he was like like searching through Amazon UK which was much more difficult to shop back then um yeah this is probably 98 and um but but I think he went on a trip to England or something anyway we ended up with a British copy of the book and I really didn't want to read it until yeah I'll finally like I, I, I don't want to say she begged because I don't remember her begging. Maybe she did beg. Maybe she didn't. Maybe this is just my older sister instincts wanting to make her beg in retrospect. But um, I do remember being like, fine, just tell me what happens in the book. And like, I think she got through, she did Chamber of Secrets or like the first few lines of Chamber of Secrets. And I was like, fine, fine, I will read the book. And I remember where I was, like where on my block I was. I also remember her like, pulling the book out of her bag once and being like, how do you say this name? And I was like, oh, Harmony. <laughs> uh, you know, in fifth grade. Thank right? goodness the fourth book came out to teach you. <laughs> Seriously, right? I think by that point, I I think she had said it enough in interviews that I knew by then, but maybe not. Um, but yeah, so then since then, yeah, just basically been obsessed. I spent an entire Shabbos in Camp Shira. Uh, it was pouring rain. And there was nothing to do. And I'm not that I would have done anything else anyway, but I like planted a towel in front of the bathroom, which was the only source of light and read the entire fourth book. Um, so, um, yeah, but, you know, after after our origin stories, um, I'm interested. How did everybody find the Harry Potter fandom? Like, I know I know for myself, I was never like super involved in the fandom. I listened to obviously Harry Potter prognostications that came later and I listened to MuggleCast when that came out um which is I think how I found Harry Potter I don't remember um but no it wasn't because my brother and I found Greg's blog and kind of eventually sussed out that you guys were religious and we were like oh my god um, I, th- I think it was probably when he started talking about like comparing it to like Torah or something but yeah, yeah I think he also mentioned your name and we were like mmm Panina okay um but I think my major, like, fandom thing was just reading through, like, literally every page of the Who Will Fall in Love With Whom thread on Chamber of Secrets on on those forums and, like, reading the Harry Hermione versus Ron Hermione arguments. Um, but, uh, yeah, because this was before social media, so I wasn't really that involved. Um, but, Panina, you have, you have a story, right? I do, but it's funny because I... It, all right, I'll start from the beginning, but I don't want to call this getting involved in fandom yet. I want to call this getting involved in actively working with Harry Potter. How about mm-hmm. that? So I, I actually just looked back. My husband, Greg, started the Harry Potter Prognostications blog back in 2002, which wow. is really crazy. That was 15 years ago. That's it's, it's, not, it's really not normal in my did mind. You, did you even have all your kids then? No. That's, that's, crazy. What, that's what I found out is he started it exactly two years to the day before we had our youngest kid. It's crazy. Nuts. Um, so he started this blog. I think blogging was really not even such a huge thing yet, but he was doing, he, he's a technology guy and he was getting into blogging. He was getting into all this stuff and he had just finished reading her, you know, getting, reading whatever book I guess was finished by then. I'm not sure. And he had all these thoughts about what's going to happen in Harry Potter. And he wrote a great blog. It was called the Harry Potter Prognostications blog. If you want to find that, that is still around. You can find it at uh, www. I think it's hpprogs.blogspot.com. 
and he's got theories. He talks about different like patterns in the Harry Potter series, um, theories on what was going to happen in the books, what was going to happen to characters. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous in hindsight. Some are actually pretty good. Um, so he started that blog, and then in two, I believe it was two thousand six, podcasting was really just getting to be big, and once again on a complete lark, only because. Greg was really wanting to try out this whole podcast thing because he's a technology guy. He said, and and maybe I listened to an episode of um, not even MuggleCast. I think PotterCast I listened to. I ended up liking MuggleCast better than PotterCast, so I stopped listening to PotterCast. I listened to an episode or two, but I really wasn't into it. He said, um, "Hey, let's let's just put on a fake pod like podcast. Why not? Let's try it." Um, and we sat in our kitchen one night and we started this Harry Potter prognostications podcast where at that point so I think only the seventh book still had yet to come out but we were still talking about the different themes of Harry Potter and we were definitely talking about our predictions for what was going to happen and for some reason people started listening I mean I think I think we could all remember that this was a time where people were just dying to get as much about Harry Potter as they possibly could the people couldn't get enough and people wanted to talk theories and people wanted to talk you know, everything. So before we knew it, we had a few hundred listeners one week. And then, and I don't remember how many we ended up getting to, but we, we got a decent fan base. And Michal and Akiva, you guys were two of them. And it, so that was how we got into doing things in the Harry Potter fandom. But I didn't understand what fandom was to the point that, so once we started doing the podcast, we actually, Attend, ended up going to four Harry Potter conferences, which is what I, I, I tell friends who've met me since this whole thing happened. And I, and I sort of tell them that, like, no, you don't understand. I went to four Harry Potter co- conferences. You, you don't know what that's like. Because most of the people I know have never been to any kind of con or anything. Not that they're so cool. They're really not. But they've just, it's not their thing. And before we went to our first Harry Potter conference in Toronto, I was actually interviewed by um, a newspaper in Toronto. And they asked me pretty much the same question you're asking me now. Well, tell me about what are your thoughts on the Harry Potter fandom? And I I thought, I'm like, what do you, it's great. I love being a fan. And I thought that's what fandom was. And I didn't know until I went to this conference, even with the fact that we had this podcast and I listened to other podcasts, I didn't understand the concept of fandom until I went to this conference. And it was one of the most eye-opening things in my entire life. And I will never be the same because of it. So that's how I, you know, finally, we really did actually get into the fandom itself. Um, But that's how I was introduced to the Harry Potter fandom. And I mean, I'm sure it must have been interesting for you guys, too, because you weren't just going like, you know, you weren't an anonymous, you know, face in the crowd at that point, right? You were going as Harry Potter prognostications that people listened to and like understood. I mean, we weren't, so that's what, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into this later or not, but to me, actually, one of the most interesting, interesting things about the fandom is celebrities in fandom that have nothing to do with what the fandom is all about. They're not the authors. They're not the movie stars. They're just celebrities within fandom. And we, I, I do not count this as them at all. <laughs> you know, there were a few people who are like, oh, great. Hey, we listened to your podcast. We were not the big celebrities there. But it really hit me when there was one of the wizard rock people one of the I don't, I don't remember which band she was in I was never really into wizard rock but I don't remember her name but somehow I had a ticket for her for something um that we you know over some social media site we figured this out that I would give her a ticket and she said to me like over an email well come find me you know who I am right 
I'm like, what? Why would I know who you are? What are you talking about? And this concept of celebrity within fandom is just, it's insane. It, it, it's, it's mind-blowing and mind-boggling. I don't know if you guys have found this in other fandoms or even within this fandom, but it's, it's just, it's a an, it's an really interesting concept. The idea of a big-name fan. Yeah. Like, that the, like that, that, the fan themselves is a big name because they themselves have a following of their fan activities. Exactly. And exactly. fan fiction and all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I, I kind of like, I like to kind of stay away from like that side of fandom, I know, because like once you get into to BNFs, things can like there's a lot of resentments that happen and a lot of drama it's crazy I mean people it's like I keep I I think I keep using the word it's insane I mean it's you would think that it's like real life number one and and the things that people the the people backstab and people talk about people and it's like dude we all and, and then of course at the end of the day you realize we all love Harry Potter but I remember the names that people would, you know, make up about other people, other fans, other things. You know, oh, the Wizard Rock people don't take the podcast people seriously. Don't take the authors. Don't take the fan fiction writers or the artists. And or the oh, then there's the whole the cosplayers. Oh I mean, it, yeah, it's you know, <laughs> and 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 some of the stuff that you see is also, especially you know, we're the nice Jewish fangirls. Some of the stuff you see is nothing that we've ever seen before. I think one of the most interesting ones, like you know, at, at the first conference that we're at, all of a sudden we see Draco and Lucius Malfoy. Okay. And you think that's really cool. It's Draco and Lucius Malfoy. But what we find out later is that the person playing Lucius, they both legally changed their names to Draco and Lucius. And, and I'm not saying anything. I think cosplay is an amazing thing. And it's a great way to, um, you know, to express yourself. And, and I really, I think there's huge value in it. But what we found out is that Draco and Lucius were actually together. These people that were playing Draco and Lucius were actually like lovers. And this was their thing. And we're like, huh? And then you see that, that I mean, I, I'm not getting a reaction from you guys, so I don't know if this is something that's normal. No, no, thing. you told me the story before. But, so. <laughs> but it was just like, oh, interesting. It, 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 it's, it's a different world. And I'm sure you guys kind of cute. (laughs) I haven't I haven't seen it to that extent, but I've seen it in other fandoms where like the fandom brings people together and like their whole relationship is based around their fandom, but like their relationship also grows out of it. I've never heard of someone changing. There's an episode there's an episode of Supernatural where there's like where there's a whole like within the supernatural show, there is also a supernatural fandom and fans who are like because of weird magical things that are going on there has been a book series supernatural written within the show about sam and dean's adventures and this huh. book series has its own fandom and they ha- there is an episode where they stumble into a supernatural convention of fans of the books <laughs> and like you have all of these dynamics going on and it's like it's hilarious and amazing last year there was like these two power rangers cosplayers who proposed in the middle of like one of them proposed to the other one like in the middle of like them doing a scene and they were like in full like ranger uniform and everything and it was (laughs) and there's like a video it's really cute yeah i mean that that definitely happens like every year at comic-con you have you know i i think there was people were doing like a uh they do a cosplay masquerade and they perform and they were doing like kylo ren and ray's like final you know showdown 
and the guy just like stopped and like went on one knee. Um, but no, I I think the weird part is that they're father and son. <laughs> in the That's books. what I was trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a weird choice. It's a bit of a like, weird choice, but it's still kind of cute. Dustin to the whole cosplay concept. How yeah, that? yeah, that that would. De- I mean, like once you see that, you're not gonna get shocked by anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tamara and SM, do you guys have any, like, fandom experiences with Harry Potter specifically? Um, well, my dad started the Harry Potter, um... Did he make the Harry Potter go to... (laughs) Yeah, no, he started the Harry Potter writing club when, um... He was teaching sixth grade, and I was in fifth grade, and he started this, this writing club... Um, because, like, it was during, like, one of those three-year gaps. I think it was between books four and five. And so, like, everybody was just really impatient for the next book to come out, but, like, no one knew when exactly it was coming out, and it was taking forever, and so everybody was just... So my dad, he basically, he wanted to write, you know, his own fanfic of the for the next book, uh, but he didn't want to do it all by himself, so he roped his students into doing it with him. Um, so, <laughs> like, so, so he was he wrote his own chapters, and they wrote their own chapters, and they shared, and they workshopped, um, and it's adorable, and it made the New York Times, um, and yeah, and I was like so jealous because like to me these kids were the coolest of the cool. And, like, you know, so my idea of cool is obviously not quite in sync with, like, the rest of the world. But I was, like, I thought that they were the best and I wanted to be part of the club, but I was only in fifth grade and I couldn't be part of the club. Um, I want your yeah, father as a teacher, by the way. What? I want I want to go back in time and have your father as a teacher now. <laughs> I never got to have him as a teacher. My brother had him as a teacher, but, yeah. I had him as a teacher. <laughs> this is why Tamar won't come to my house because she's like terrified of yeah. you know terrorizing Yeah. <laughs> um and my but I guess my own fandom experience that I wasn't excluded from was probably, you know, with my own friends and um with, you know, fanfiction.net and just I don't know, inhaling all sorts of fanfic and like I don't even remember most of it, you know, and, like, it was just, I, I don't know, it was just, like, an extra way of, 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 uh, being able to spend time with the characters and in the world, um, I don't remember if any of it, you know, had particularly good, interesting storylines that I really, you know, that I followed for, like, significant amounts of time, or if it was just, you know, constant one-shots of, you know, this situation and that situation, and just, like, you know, throwing these two characters together that, you know, they don't get enough time together, and seeing what happens, things like that. Um, and, yeah, and I kind of, like, I don't know, like, I I kept a diary, but my diary was never actually reliable. It was mostly, um, it was mostly really self-insert fan fiction, because, like, my life was too boring to document, so I I had to invent, (laughs) I had to invent a much more interesting life, because otherwise, why would I bother writing it down? Dear diary, Um, I have feathers all down my front, and I don't remember what I was doing last night. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so not quite that creepy, but um, yeah, I mean, like when I was into Star Wars, um, 
I wrote in my diary about all the adventures that I had as a Jedi. And then once I got into Harry Potter fandom, um, which is after my Star Wars fandom, um, once I got into the Harry Potter, I, you know, I took my Jedi powers and I went into the Harry Potter universe, you know, and I fixed things with my Jedi powers within the Harry Potter universe so that, like, you know... I don't know. I, I, I probably, you know, I screwed everything up, really. But, like, in my mind, I was, you know, make, fixing things because, like, I, you know, instead of, you know, Harry having to go up and, and get the Remember-All from Malfoy, I just, you know, like, yanked it down with the Force and, like, <laughs> problem solved, problem solved. And, yeah, everything was better that way. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to be the hero of all the stories. It was great. <laughs> Uh, and Tamar, how about you? Um, so I was... Uh, it's another SAR thing. Um, I was introduced <laughs> to fanfiction during, like, after-school drama club when I was in fifth grade. Fanfic.net, someone showed me that. Um, so I was, like, r- loosely involved in that. I don't remember any of my stories for Harry Potter going anywhere, but I was, like, not fanfiction, but I was very, 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 very very active in one um harry potter like role-playing site like creative like um like whatchamacallit like when the, everyone's writing all together it's like not the massively multiplayer yeah no yeah. No, 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 no 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 rpg um uh, it's uh, there's like a term for it it's like um mush i don't know mush it's uh oh collaborative fiction so uh. it's like you have characters and you put them in a world and you make the characters and you decide what to do with them and there's certain rules to do it. I don't know if this is at all popular anymore. I don't know if it's even a thing, but it was pretty popular in like the industry forums um, years and years and years ago. Um, and I had one particular Harry Potter one that like to this day I still have friends who like I talk to from it regularly. Not regularly, but sometimes. Um, and like I... Like, they helped me decide which high school to go to. They didn't know anything about, like, Judaism. And I was like, I don't know if I should go to Maya Note or Westchester or SAR. And they were, like, <laughs> helping me. Like, I was telling them, like, what the pros and cons were. And they were helping me with that. Um, I became a mod. It was very exciting. And I actually was, like, super into, like, the, like we called it RPing. But it it's not because RPing is something different. Um, but, like, I was into RPing for, like, years and years and years until, like, college I like would regularly just like be in my room creating characters with other people and like the stupid annoying thing was that like sometimes you'd like start a new one I didn't stay doing Harry Potter so long mostly because the new fans came and were like you guys don't like have the proper word count you're not using real grammar your characters suck blah 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 so um yeah I moved away from the Harry Potter ones pretty quickly but it was something I did pretty late in life and sometimes I still get like a little depressed that I'm not doing it anymore yeah Yeah, I never got into I never got into like the role-playing kind of stuff but I know like it's it's pretty big in a lot of communities and it's like the type of thing where I'm like it seems too too intimidating to get involved I mean I can't do it now (laughs) there's no time but like um it always seemed like I would be like I would like that kind of thing um, although I, I will, I will say not for Harry Potter, because for me, like, Harry Potter is, like, the apex of all of the fandoms and things that I love, so, like, I, I, I read fanfiction, and I don't read Harry Potter fanfiction, I never read any Harry Potter fanfiction, I, like, went hardcore purist, like, if it wasn't from J.K. Rowling, I was not interested. Um, yeah, did you ever even watch the movies? I remember there was a time that you weren't 
You refused yeah, to watch them? No, I, I saw the first one back when it came out, but after that, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Wow. Which, you know, I mean, obviously, like, not everybody fans the way that they fan, but, like, I, I do feel like after a while, it was always, like, this huge amount of hype for each movie, and then the fan reaction would be like, eh. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> and, like, you know, when you love something that much, it's it's difficult to, like... I, I kind of like, I like the idea of, like, not even, like, I don't have to complain about this. I don't have to get upset. Just, like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. That's fine. But moving forward, um, what were you guys, like, what were your highlights of the Harry Potter experience? Like, either in fandom or, you know, just your personal experience with the books? Um, like, I, you know, as the books went on <laughs> and kind of, like, they gain significance with each release. Like, I do remember more and more about each one. Um, especially five and seven, I feel like were, cause five was after that long wait. And oh then, my gosh, that was horrible. Yeah. Which now as a Song of Ice and Fire fan feels it's a little so bit. So much better. <laughs> yeah. But isn't there something awesome about anticipation? There you know, is, except you can't trust George R. R. Martin to finish right, that's it. That's true. Well, yeah. yeah. That's true. There, there is also, but like, I feel like. After a certain, it's kind of like an Ouroboros, so it kind of, like, it starts eating itself because, like, fan speculation and stuff. Like, people on the internet, especially as a hive mind, are so sophisticated that, like, it's almost impossible for a writer to really shock you when there's that much attention or surprise you or, you know, whatever. Um, And I feel like, and I feel this actually with Star Wars with Star Wars because I have a very specific way that I want things to go and I'm like kind of trying to very consciously like step back and be like but it might not be that way and that's fine um but like you do get these ideas and like everything fits together this theory is perfect it works and if it's not that theory even if it is that theory it's a little disappointing because you already guessed it and if it's not that theory then you're disappointed because it's not the thing that you wanted um so yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword. But, like, I, I do agree, like, the in terms of, like, to a reasonable degree, fan speculation is a lot of fun. I mean, I still listen, I, I still listen to all the Game of Thrones podcasts. Yeah, they're the, like... the tvtropes.org, um, tvtropes.org has, like, a word for when, uh, when the, uh, when the canon, uh, confirms a fan theory and when a canon completely refutes a fan theory and i think the to completely refute the fan theory is to have it jost named for joss Whedon. um and to uh confirm the fan theory is to have it cryptkeyed which is named for the supernatural creator because a lot of fan theories in that fandom apparently turned out to be accurate um interesting i think it's it's funny that we have you know it's such a it's such a meta like you're saying the internet community is so sophisticated that we even have words for this now <laughs> Um, yeah, but so what What were your guys, like, highlights, specifically? Well, my just... favorite oh, book... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, can you? No, please. Um, okay. Um, my favorite book, um, was the fourth one. Um, maybe for content reasons, I, maybe, uh, but also, but also it was, it was the only book I had, um, in Sleepaway Camp for, um, a particular summer and I hate sleepaway camp sleepaway camp is the worst I mean camp in general is pretty bad but like sleepaway camp 
is the worst. Um, they want you to do stuff from like morning <laughs> until night and you have no privacy and you never get to do what you want and everything is terrible. And there's also color war and that's just dumb. And yeah, everything is terrible. So uh, this book was basically, you know, I took it everywhere. I re- read it over and over and over again. Um, I was known like for like some time after camp, I was still known like like I ran into somebody after camp and like she introduced me to her parents as the girl who read Harry Potter and uh, and the Goblet of Fire in one day. Um, this was my claim to fame because I like literally did not want to do anything else because everything else sucked. So. <laughs> So, yeah, this book was basically my best friend um, throughout uh, that summer. And, yeah, so it holds a special place in my heart, um, regardless of its story content, which I do think probably it is probably the strongest book, aside from, like, the major plot hole of, like, the entire story could have been avoided if, you know, early on they had just, you know, given... uh, you know, gotten Harry Harry a port key or something and sent him to the graveyard and then poof. Um, but, you know, if you just hand wave that plot hole um, and you just enjoy the whole adventure, there's just so much happening in that book um, and so much great character stuff and so much great plot stuff and so much great world building stuff. Um, yeah, so that one that one is my favorite. And then... Uh, yeah, and the sentimental reasons of it being my security blanket in camp, and yeah, so that that is probably uh, book number four is is my highlight of the series. Nice. And how about you, Panina? So are we ta- we're talking about highlight of series or fandom or what? Um, at this point, well, you know, whichever whichever like strikes you as most. Whatever the spirit moves you. Yeah. Oh. There's so, so I feel I don't want to monopolize conversation here, but I you're, you're I, the I guest. Ex- you are you are the guest. You should monopolize. Yeah, it. monopolize it. But I also have plus also Pina. Nobody yeah. has heard your voice on a, a discussing Harry Potter on a podcast except those of us who know you personally. Um, since what two thousand and eight or nine? Eight. So eight or nine, it's a very yeah. special occasion. Ah, thank you. It's well, it's also all coming back to me right now. So it's sort of like <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm flooded with emotions and thoughts. There's just so many highlights. Um, first of all, just being part of something so big. I, th- I think also growing up in an Orthodox community, and we that's that's our community often. And this is the first time that I was part of something bigger than myself that wasn't like, hey, you're from girl, great. Um, so just being part of that bigger thing was sort of exhilarating in some ways. Um, but the the highlights, I mean, I think like I said before, anticipating the next books was just, it was phenomenal. I was actually disappointed when they announced that Deathly Hallows was coming out as soon as it was. I was hoping that it was going to be pushed off just a little bit more, mostly because I wasn't ready for the series to end, but I really enjoyed the anticipation and also probably because our podcast was based on predictions and the longer we could predict, the more episodes we can do. Um, But I really... I think also because it took me out of my comfort zone. I did things I never would have done before, um, just being part of this experience and the, the fandom. Um, like I said before, I went to four Harry Potter conferences, which in some ways, some of them were like, okay, I didn't need to do that. I probably didn't have the best time at one or two of them. But like, I gave, I, I didn't, I, 
I didn't do any sessions. I never felt comfortable getting up and lecturing on Harry Potter, but I did, I think I, I, I think I did at least seven or eight roundtable discussions where, and I'm not saying this because I was that good, but just maybe the topics, you know, everyone really wanted to talk about Harry Potter, but rooms were packed. There were rooms that were packed with standing room only of people wanted to talk about Harry Potter and I was able to facilitate a discussion. And it was amazing. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Michal, but there was one of them. I don't know if you remember. I gave one um, one discussion at the last conference that I was at. And it was about, I can't remember exactly, but there was stuff that was in Tales of Beetle the Bard. Do you remember this? You recorded oh, some of it. Oh, yeah. Right? So you had a great British accent. And I, there was no audio of Tales of Beetle the Bard. And I'm trying to remember. I, I, I can't off the top of my head think about what the discussion was, but it was a great discussion. I don't think I ever told you this, but this discussion, there were literally people crying in the room because it was so, I think we talked, I think it was the one, um, the, what was the one with the heart? The Warlock's Harry Heart. Warlock's Harry Heart. Yeah. And, and I think we, I think I connected it to, oh shoot, I really wish I had thought about this because it was actually a really good connection that we made. And it was about like, you know, never, never actually experienced it. Oh, I I connected to J.K. Rowling's 2008 Harvard commencement address, where she talks about failure and the importance of failure and connecting the fact that if you never fail, you never really achieve, you know, you you have to fail in order to really achieve anything. And that, that, and I compare that to the Warlock's Harry Hart, that he never let himself live. Um, And you had read, you read it, we read an excerpt and people were in the room crying. And it was one of the most moving and touching experiences of my life and it was because of Harry Potter and that was probably the highlight of oh that's not true I'm lying (laughs) was the highlight of the right. (laughs) (laughs) sorry I got so excited about this and then I remember just a few years after that with you yeah uh, I'll meeting J.K. Rowling and getting to tell her that she changed my life and actually getting me through like some difficult times also and she and that was really really the highlight my Harry Potter highlight fandom anyway I'm babbling because I'm at this point where I'm just so over overcome with with thoughts no no I I completely understand and I'll, I'll just tell that story briefly because it's awesome um yeah we um it was when the the cursed child came out and this is actually how i got my job no, it, wasn't. it was when it wasn't cursed no, no no not cursed child i'm sorry S- same um, same initials of the book yes <laughs> or similar casual vacancy <laughs> yeah um uh yeah the casual vacancy when that came out and uh lincoln center had an event with jk rowling and it was like her only thing that she was doing and um and there was a signing and yeah and I both flipped out along with obviously thousands and thousands of other people um and they 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 were Lincoln Center and had no idea what they were in for so I guess normally they're like tickets go on sale at noon but like theoretically like the timer just like lets it go on sale at midnight and of course they sold out within a couple of seconds and or minutes or whatever and you know all of the Harry you know people who had been like following the rules and were like great noon had no tickets and Lincoln Center didn't know what to do anyway hypable the people at hypable were like getting a lot of you know updates on it and that's how I found hypable and saw the right for us link and applied anyway um but uh, yeah so we we ended up going because they ended up shifting it to a different like venue um and it within lincoln center and it was it was me it was you pina it was tova it was yael it was akiva 
Um, yeah, I do have to shout out to Tova who gave me my, my ticket right now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and right, right. I wasn't right. We weren't sure if you were going to come. And then once you got it, it was like, of course, you're absolutely coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And uh, I mean, she is, I mean, I, I still, I don't know how I feel about the casual vacancy. I think it's a very complicated book. But like, there's something magical about her, you know, like she, every time I've heard her speak, you know, J.K. Rowling is is just just a very intelligent, very funny, very like connected person, and like you know, obviously on a very very long line of people, you know, waiting for her autograph, like just getting to go up to her and like seeing like first of all her eyes. It's not. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but, like, it's not super clear in all the pictures, but her eyes are, like, shocking. They're, like, bright grayish blue, right, Panina? And, like, she yeah. just, like, locks eyes with you, and it's just like, oh, my God. Um, she didn't touch me. I know she did touch you. She did touch but, me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, have to, I have to tell you, since then, I, I've met a few other celebrities and people who really, uh, one or two, that had an impact on me. I never, I, I never felt the same way as I felt when J.K. Rowling touched me. I didn't, I literally didn't want to wash my hands yeah. for weeks. I, I remember did. I was shaking. I, I was yeah. like, and then my car got towed, but whatever. That was, <laughs> that was a different story. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was amazing and magical. All, all I could think to tell her was like, I've been waiting to meet you since I was 12. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I couldn't really think of anything else. Um, but... I guess, I guess, well, that, that's obviously a huge highlight. Um, for me, I, I don't know about in terms of the books, like, it was so, you know, the, the, the book five is not my favorite book, but I do love it, I think, a lot more than some, than, like, some people do, because, like, for me, it, it, you know, it was such a long wait, well, again, comparatively, such a long wait, felt like such a long wait, and when, you know, you're, like 13 when book four comes out and you're or you know 12 and you're 15 when the you know the next one comes out um I don't know if you could just hear me burp there that's super professional awesome um but like you're in a very different place and I had I felt like I was very nervous to read the book because I was like well what if I read it and I don't think it's like written well and like you know whatever and I just remember sinking down with that book and like I know it has problems but like just there's an incredible wit even to Harry's like complete like stubborn idiocy in in book five like his snark is just like on point and like I I just remember like I was reading that book like in between studying for my chemistry regent (laughs) and like I, I just found it all like very I feel like that was as absorbed for as long a length of time as I was for reading any of the books. So that that was a, a really special moment for me. Um, Tamar, how about you? Uh, my special moment that like stands out to me, um, I guess I had two. The fifth book, I remember it came out like the night, I guess it came out the, the Saturday before my friend's bat mitzvah, like one of my best friends growing up bat mitzvah. And like I read in the car to the venue and like I like needed to be pried out of my seat and this was like my best friend's mom it's but I was like she will understand <laughs> um I did get out of the car but like I had it in the car with me and I like picked it up the minute the bum was done and like 
I, I don't remember, honestly, if I left the vomit so early. I really hope I didn't. But um, it was definitely like, I need to get back to my car to keep reading because everyone else has already read this yesterday and I just got it today. Um, so that was my fifth book one and my seventh book one. I think I talked about this before. Uh, so stop me if I have spoken about this on the podcast. Pretty much my next door neighbor growing up, unfortunately, he, he's like totally fine now. He works in business. He's my age. And he had leukemia when we were younger. And somebody who worked at Simon Schuster, he was always getting like gifts from people, like kind of like to cheer him up because he was this 13-year-old kid when he had, he was first diagnosed with it. It was like three weeks before his bar mitzvah. So he was always getting all these gifts. And by the time the seventh book came out, like he was already in remission, but people were still giving him gifts. Like he was, he, he ended up being, I think, the salutatorian in my high school. Like he, he's, Baruch Hashem, like everything is great with him. But like he was always getting these gifts. And I was his age and we were, we like have family, we share, we're like, we're sort of family. And so like, I grew up with him and I was always so jealous of these gifts, except like stupid little me, like cancer. Anyway, um, I'm a horrible human being and I'm going to cut that out. Um, anyway, so my next door neighbor got a, a copy of the seventh book, like the Thursday before the book came out, like someone from Simon and Schuster, right? That was who published it. No, uh, no, I'm- Scholastic. I- Oh, sorry, it was Scholastic. I knew there was an S. Anyway, someone from Scholastic, somebody from Scholastic gave his mother, like, a copy, like, oh, like, I know, like, he hasn't been doing so well, and, like, I think he was totally fine by then, but, like, I thought he might like the book. My next-door neighbor has never read Harry Potter. He does not like Harry Potter, and his mom knew that, and we went over for Friday night, and I was super annoyed and super depressed because I knew my book was going to come the next day at, like, 3 p.m. with the mailman, and I wasn't going to be able to open it, and I was, like, plotting for my dogs to, like, to cover it in peanut butter and have them rip open the box. Like, I really thought this out, and she's, like, and she, like, asked my mom, like, why is tomorrow so, like, mopey? Um, and my mom was just like, oh, she's really upset about the hair or whatever. And so she like goes upstairs and she got this book and I was able to read it. She made me promise that I wouldn't read it until after dinner. So immediately at 10 o'clock, the minute we finished benching, I ran back to my bedroom and I stayed up from 10 o'clock until like 5 a.m. reading the book. And then I like freaked out and then I freaked about the ending and then I freaked out because I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone about it for like a good two days because nobody would have read it at the point. But like that Shabbos ends. And everybody else, like, even, I don't remember if I was online then. I don't remember, but, like, I had nobody to talk about it with, and I was just like, I just finished this book, and nobody else in the world has. But it was a cool feeling. That's amazing. I'm sure some other people had at that point. But So I'll tell you, so I'll be honest, to, to confess something, and I never would have confessed this at the time, um, there was a leaked copy that came out the Thursday beforehand also. Right. It was online. Do you guys remember that? I do remember and, that. I, we swore we would never tell anybody, but now I don't care. Um, <laughs> I sat on our computers. We ignored our children um, <laughs> for like 12 hours. And we Love literally it. we literally just both read it on the – and it was hard. You, you couldn't even see it. And we were like squinting, but we both had to read it. And we did. And by Friday, we, we, we knew exactly also. we I think I'd even written – a blog post on Friday saying goodbye to Harry Potter and like guessing things. And I didn't guess anything right, but after I read it, which is pretty horrible actually, if you think about it. (laughs) I remember that blog post. (laughs) I know. I totally, I I totally finished it by then. But also we were like invited to see him or something that night because I think maybe it was during the nine days even. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm like, we're in the middle of reading Harry Potter. You don't understand. 
once again, we're both sitting like on different computers, squinting. Yeah, like he's like, you know, 10 pages ahead. I mean, he starts bawling at one point. I thought Ron was dead. It turned out it was Dobby. It was it was a crazy experience. Oh, for Dobby. It, it really <laughs> does. I mean, like, I remember, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, like walking around with my hands like cupped, like hovering near my ears in case somebody said something about, you know, Harry Potter. And just like, you know, I'm thinking of it now, like, even obviously, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> um, but like, even when assuming that the winds of winter does come out, um, and hopefully it will, I don't know if it will, but maybe it will. Um, I'm gonna be damn excited to read that book and like sink into it and whatever. But it's not going to be like there, there was an incredible magnetism with Harry Potter that like, I think most fans experience like you really, you know, if you weren't reading the book, it was because you had to do something else like when it when a new book came out and like it was really that intense and that powerful and like I don't know that I've ever like I kind of hope that like this I don't know maybe not this specific generation but like maybe our grandkids or whatever like there is another series that does that just because it's such an unbelievable feeling and I hope so. I hope so, too. There was research done at the time, I remember. There was an article about how um, on the weekend that Harry Potter books would come out, um, the number of teenagers in the emergency room went down because teenagers were all at home reading and not out doing stupid teenager things. That was incredible. (laughs) For a second, I thought you were going to say, like, crime stopped. (laughs) Yes, crime stopped. The world stopped. Everything stopped. The world changed. The Fire Nation attacked. Uh, No, wrong fandom. Yeah, but um, I'm trying to think if I have any... I just remember, like, you know, for, for, like, book seven, I, again, was just, like, a nervous wreck. Um, And Yael and I actually... Um, made our mother uh, change change tickets that we had to go to Israel um, because she had she had scheduled them for I think that Mose Shabbos that uh, the book came out and we were like Mm-mm, nope not happening <laughs> we're just we're not going <laughs> we have to read Harry Potter um, and I remember like I think I read like five chapters or something it was like up to right after when Moody died and I just like. I just, I just like sat down and cried, not because of Moody, but because it was, you know, it was so real. It was the end and it was so intensely, you know, I don't know, important. Like everything that happened, that was the last thing that was going to happen. Um, Or so we thought, anyway, curse job for canon. (laughs) Anyway. um, We better talk about that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely. But it's Fantastic Beast. Yeah, Fantastic Beast doesn't. Well, we'll talk about that too. But um <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I mean and, and I found actually something that was very interesting because like I was obviously like neck deep in podcasts and reading blogs and and you know, not not too much online like like forum discussion, but like that kind of thing. And Yael was not. And after we both finished, like we went to go get ice cream and we just like walked up and down like crying or I was crying anyway along the road and like eating our ice cream 
And Yael, I remember in the days after, was very much like, what are people saying on the podcast? Like, what, what do they, what do they think? How do they, like, can you give me, like, suggestions so I can hear what people think? And I was like, I don't want to listen to anything. I don't even think I listened to, to Harry Potter prognostications for a little <gasps> while because I was just like, oh. I mean, I did eventually, but I was just like, I, you know, it was too, like, it was too fragile, you it was know? too raw. Yeah. 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 For Ugh, sure. So intense. Uh, so any other highlights of, of the whole experience um, or or reading the books? Um, I have something. It's not part of reading the books, but um, so many years later, I uh, I started following this blogger um, named uh, Mark Oshiro and his uh, websites. He does Mark Watches and Mark Reads, and he um, would do a lot of books chapter by chapter. He started out with Twilight, and he would review every chapter and like he hated twilight um and he eviscerated it and he you know talked about how terrible it was on many different levels you know not just story level but like social messages and whatever and then after he finished twilight um his fandom you know begged him to read harry potter um and he was not very enthusiastic about this because he had not enjoyed twilight at all and he thought that harry potter and twilight were you know just like the same side of the same popularity coin um and he starts reading it you know and his like his reactions you know in the first few chapters are like kind of meh and then he gets to like the chapter where hagrid knocks down the door of the uh hut on the rock and the sea you know and he's like oh my god this book is amazing and like <laughs> and then he just goes like in complete fangirl mode on everything you know and like he reviews the entire series by by ch- chapter by chapter and um, it just it reminds you of the feeling that you had when you read the book um, the very first time before you knew any of the spoilers and any of the twists. Um, and it just it really captured that feeling and it brought me back. Um, and like he sells um, he sells his uh, his reviews um, in like book form. Um, he self-published a few of them of like, you know, just if you want to buy, you know, an individual book and you and read his reactions to, you know, re-experience the entire book um, over again. Um, and I've considered buying it because I feel like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, fandom joy compressed into book form. So, you know, as I would like to have that so that it, on a bad day I can open it up and just re-experience all of that. So that's a question. Do you guys are do you find yourself still trying to convince people to read Harry Potter? Or do you I'm think so that every like all everyone that that has was going to read it in your life has read it? Do kids count? Yeah. I I've turned I mean, a number of same. kids onto it. I've turned a number of kids onto it. Like I had a a babysitty who was um she'd never heard of Harry Potter. Um, and I brought the first one. And as I always recommend to people who are starting for the first time to skip the first chapter of the first book, I've always from like the beginning, the very beginning, I've always told everybody to skip it because I know there are so many people that have been turned off by the first chapter and that if they just skipped it, they would, they wouldn't be. And like, this has proven to be correct on many occasions that there are a lot of people who are like, I tried, but I couldn't get into it. And then I'm like, skip the first chapter and they get into it right away after that. I do something Um, even worse than that. I've told people that they're allowed to skip the first two books because they are allowed to, but, but, um, yeah, 
I, I mean, that's like, with, adults. You know, with adults that say, I can't read it. It's a child's book. I'm like, okay, then, you know, do me a favor. I will give you the synopsis of the first two books. Now, invariably, they always go back and read them. But if they start at the third book, sometimes they, I mean, you, she, at that point, she did a pretty good job at giving synopsises of, there's, there's probably a better way yeah. to say that, of the, of the um, main point. So it wasn't a huge deal. But I'm still to this day, and maybe because... I'm a little older. I'm there's there's many people who I've gotten to read it and they are thankful and they are so nobody that has gone through the whole series have, has ever said to me, I wish I hadn't done that. Most people are thankful <laughs> and so happy, but I still have a few holdouts and in some ways it still pains my heart that they won't do it. They're I like, agree with you. Uh, well, right? I feel like they're just, you know, some people it's just not going to be their thing. It's just not going to be their cup of tea, you like the whimsy be, and the tone will. doesn't speak to them. You know, so it's like, you know, you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. And, you know, if by now you haven't, you know, haven't read it or like you tried it enough and it just didn't speak to you, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to let, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to crusade against you because, because of that, you know, like there are plenty of things that there are plenty of things that other people, you know, really like, and I hate when they force it on me, you know? So it's like, I'm never going to, you know, try and be that crazy person, but I try to give people, you know, the most accessible entry point that I can mm-hmm. so that, cause I feel like if you want to recruit people to your fandom, you want to, you know, make sure that, you know, you're making it as easy as possible for them and you're not making them feel like this is some like insurmountable giant, you know, obstacle that they need to get past in order to be accepted into the fandom you know yeah that's a very mature viewpoint that you have there <laughs> yeah I'm I, sure I'm, I could adopt it I'm too much of a purist <laughs> honestly like I I I can't read things out of order intentionally I can't you know like I, I totally get it but like I'm also just like no that's how it was written and that's how you're supposed to read it and how are you gonna know about Voldemort and you know like he's in the back of Quirrell's head no, of course. And honestly, if you and if you read through through them in order from one to seven, and you and then you go back and you think about the fact that Snape is the one that taught Harry, you know, um, Guardian Leviosa, Stelly Armas. Sorry, mm-hmm. whoa. Um, I just reread like, um, um, Chamber of Secrets, and I was just like, oh my god, yeah, that's the best, right? <laughs> so, like, but yeah. I just, I, I want, the problem is, I want everybody to experience what we experienced, and they never will in the same form, but I want, I want people to, to, to get that feeling of when you get to the end of the seventh book, and you're like, wow, I just finished that, and it was so incredible. Yeah. But not everyone's gonna. I know, and I feel like the, the older the books get, like, the, the more canonized they are, like, the more, like, you know, there was always the reaction to, like, you know, the, the I'm not gonna read this because it's popular, you know, like, like SM had, but then at this point, it's kind of like, well, I'm not gonna read it because it's Harry Potter, you know, and, like, or because I know, I know everything already. Right, yeah. exactly, and in a way, I feel like the popularity of the series, like, the, you know, uh, I mean the movies or whatever you know like the fact that there's harry potter world like like i sometimes find that like even me like not not engaging too much in the other stuff and like whatever like harry potter means something different when you are sitting down and reading the books as it does like then then it does like when you're experiencing the entirety of the merchandising and the you know like i mean i've been i've been to harry potter world and in California it is amazing 
and I want to live there. But it's still not like, it's not the, there's something just pure about her, about just the writing, you know, and, and just reading that story. Because again, like, I, you know, and I, I always get very, fr- I'm very defensive of JK Rowling, but like, I get very frustrated when people are like, oh, she's doing it for the money or blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, no, she's a woman who wrote a story and like, she, that story continues to live on in her head, which is, I think, why we have, you know, whether or not you want to, like, you like all of the extra stuff that she puts out. Like, I, I honestly think that's why, just because it is there for her and it's available. And she's just like, well, I'll share this information, you know. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, for heaven's sake, the woman took herself off of, like, the billionaire's list because she gave so much freaking charity. So, right. Like, you know, exactly. yeah. when people say she's doing it for the money, I'm like, well, she's doing it for the money, which she will then give away to poor people. So, like, I have no problems. Yeah. Yeah, but the people who say it are also the ones that talk about her and call her JK. Right. And I'm like, mm, no, not, yeah. no, that's it's not, Joe. What, not what she, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally Harry Potter snobbery. I know that, but I don't care. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, like, something, something that, like, gets my goat a little bit. And not, not that you shouldn't criticize books for not being as like representative as like you want them to be like that's totally your prerogative but people kind of act like there is like no diversity in harry potter and at least for me like obviously growing up as like a white-ish person like reading about the patils and about cho and about lee jordan and about dean and about kingsley shacklebolt like there's there's a lot of characters of color in harry potter not saying that there shouldn't have been more and not saying that they should have shouldn't have been more focused but this idea that like oh harry potter's just white people is nonsense it's absolute Agreed. nonsense mm-hmm. yeah we have anthony goldstein for crying out loud I mean, come on. Yay! <laughs> he has, like, the, the most bit character in the whole Harry Potter series, and we're just looking for, like, that. He yeah, comes back, he comes back for the Battle of Hogwarts. He, he does me. his part. I'm sorry. He does. And he but doesn't I'm, die. He doesn't die. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> die. That's true. Yeah. I guess but I we, am Do we know that he about. doesn't die? No, we don't. You're right. Oh, but but she, she was pretty, I mean, you know. She only told us when she killed off the named characters. Yeah, but he has a line. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> a line. Did he have a line? He had the a line. thing, yeah, in one of the, like, classes. Yeah, I think he has a line when he comes back. Or maybe, I don't remember. It's honestly been so long since I've read Deadly Hallows. I'm really looking forward to getting back into that. But, like, yeah. So that, that's just my, like, mini right rant now, about. Oh. No, Anthony Goldstein ever said anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was well, something I mean, else that, like. in the DA. Um, yeah. So that's big. But I just pulled up the fandom wiki for Harry Potter. and The Harry Potter wiki, I guess. It's powered by Wikio, whatever it is. And um, the picture that they have for him is from a video game. And he looks like super, like, Hitler youth. No, excellent. That's not really. It's really disturbing. Like, really blonde, like, really pale, looks really scary. Is that actual of the actor because that looks no, very, no 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 like, there's no yeah it's no probably actor. just like a random avatar that they were yeah, like that one right. is right. yeah that one's anthony but like really um okay so the the only line he has is about is this discussion hi harry i heard you found somewhere for the da to meet um oh oh my jewish son <laughs> <laughs> you guys sound like my parents we know everything's like you know he's jewish you know oh, <laughs> my <laughs> mother my mother sounds like like when the book was out, she was like, did you know that there's a Jewish character? And I was like, yeah, I know. And, like, I mean, I remember, like, our world, like, exploded 
because of Anthony Goldstein. And it frust- like hugely frustrated me, like to the point that I'm still angry about it. You know, a couple of years ago when somebody asked her on Twitter, like, are there any Jews at Hogwarts? She's like, Anthony Goldstein. And all of the people were like, she's retconning. She's not representing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, not. excuse me. All of us Jews were like, uh-huh, he's ours. Jew. We yeah, knew. We knew. Jew. Like, don't tell um, me that, like, she's not doing this because she absolutely is doing this. And we all got the signal. So, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Well, it seems, actually, that, that, that conversation that's in the Harry Potter week, Wiki about the DA is in the video game, um, oh. but not in the book. He does have a line. I'm pretty sure he, he has here, a line. Here. Yeah. He says here, here. At one of the... Wait, he doesn't have a line? Hermione is talking. Yeah. At one point, he says, here, here, and that seems to be from the actual book. Super doesn't have okay. Everything else is all from the video game. My, my brother is insisting that he does not have a line. So, uh, he says he super doesn't have a line. So then maybe you, this is going to be so politically incorrect, but maybe he really isn't Jew- Jewish, because when did the Jews not talk when they <laughs> right, had an opportunity to talk? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <sighs> Sorry. No, no. That's, <laughs> that's true. Um, but okay, so let's move on, I guess, to, I mean, we've kind of, you know, gone through it a little bit, but like the legacy and enduring impact of Harry Potter and the fandom. Um, Tamar, I feel like I keep coming to you last, so I'm going to talk to you first. How do you feel? How do I feel about the enduring? The, in, Harry the enduring. Le- I mean, I'm asking for an academic paper here, obviously. Like the enduring legacy huh. of Harry Potter and its fandom on your life. Um, I think it led me to a lot of my other fandoms, and I love it for that. I don't really have anything else to say about it. Like I'm happy that I was with it when it was like something I grew up with. Like I was in third grade when I, the third book came out, and I really like. I got to wait for the fourth book, and then I got to wait for the fifth book, and then I got to wait for the sixth book. I got to wait for the seventh book. I had all the movies ahead of me. I have the play. I have, like, I think I kind of got there at the best time, and, like, I don't know if any, like, other generation will have that, and I just really love Harry for that, even though I don't really like Harry so much. He's kind of a jerk. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) I reread the books at least once a year, and every year I, like, realize that some of the characters aren't as good as I once thought they were so I think I have to stop after this last year's actually <laughs> I still don't agree about some of them um SM how about you enduring legacy of Harry Potter well capital letters um, m- my dad's literary career is pretty much entirely <laughs> dependent on it um and so there's the Hogwarts Haggadah and we're actually right now we are revamping a uh, an expanded second edition of morality for muggles um and we're planning to uh republish that and so i have to go through the old manuscript and uh, and make sure that all my copy edits um are are there and that it's in tip-top shape and then we're going to try and get a cover artist um to design something and hopefully it will be you know really you know nice and eye-catching and um professional looking and yeah and then we're gonna try and 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 launch it and obviously it's not you know the same kind of thing as as a Haggadah um but it's it's still pretty exciting and it's 
It's a pretty good book. Like my dad was recently, he was writing an article for the forward for the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter, and he was flipping through Morality for Muggles just to um, get some ideas of what he could include. And he was flipping through it, and he was like, you know, this is a really good book. And my brother and I were like, yeah, that's why we want to republish it, remember? <laughs> that's awesome. But, um, yeah, so that, you know, I mean, it's my dad's, you know, stuff, but it's also, you know, a big part of my life because all of these books um, have, you know, been pretty much family projects. Um, and, yeah, and I actually have an essay in the original Morality for Muggles, which is retroactively the first thing that I've ever published and probably Tamar's first thing that she's ever published. Um, because I think Tamar has an essay in there, too. I do. Um, I don't think I've read it since I wrote it, but I do have one in there. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, mine was on, like, Harry Potter and Pirkei Avot, and, yeah. Um, I say the harab. And then, I'm Aina Neely Mealy. Oh, good. Who is, you know, who's not there for me. If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? And then I talked about how, like, Harry literally had to rescue himself by going back in time and scaring away the Dementors, because, like, nobody else was going to do it for him. I like that. Ah, oh, that's such a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> I love book three. Um, Panina, what is your kind of enduring legacy of Harry Potter? And and I guess of H.P. Progs also. So I don't know if there's an enduring legacy of H.P. Progs, unfortunately. Um, we sort of let it fizzle out. I think that, like, life got more complicated. And, like, I, I actually looked for it today, and I, I couldn't find the, po- the podcast anywhere. So... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It was a great time. Um, we remember. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, Greg's blog is still up, and that was actually probably some of the most quality part of, of anything that we did. I, you know, I, it was really all him, not me. Um, for me personally, I think it's just, it's really, an, it's been an interesting um, experience. So I, I don't think I mentioned this, but when the last book came out, my oldest son, who's now 18, was eight. And so he actually, like, he read it with us. So when he was a little kid, Greg read him this, the books. Um, he did all the voices, and it was amazing. And then he was a great reader at a really young age, and quickly he was just like, you know what, stop reading this. I want to, you know, I want to go ahead and read them all. And so he was there the day the, the eighth one came out, the seventh one came out, and he was able to experience it live, so to speak. Then we have a 15-year-old daughter who actually never read them, and she still refuses to. And she's seen all the movies, and she even told me today, she's like, oh, I was reading some Harry Potter theories today, and I couldn't have a real conversation with her about it because it was based on the movies, and that was a little disappointing. And it's a little, it's a little weird for me to have a kid who does not like Harry Potter. She's come to the Harry Potter theme park, but it's just not something that she's interested in at all. And then our youngest, who's 12 and a half, is loves Harry Potter and it's and it's like I said it's crazy because she was two when the last book came out and she's you know developed her own all these years later way of looking at Harry Potter with her friends and and she even at one point had a Harry Potter Instagram account I think for some and she had like thousands of followers on it um I think I actually asked her before I'm like, you still have it? Because I, I couldn't find it. And she's like, no, it was blocked for some reason. You know, I don't know if they banned it for some reason, probably because she was stealing pictures from other people. But, you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. But to me, that was amazing when it was going on because that wasn't something I was encouraging her to do. And I was thinking, like, you know, from generation to generation, we all do we all do what, 
you know, what we see we need to do in this world, I guess, in this Harry Potter world that it is. Um, so she has, she has a Harry Potter bookshelf on her, you know, on her bookshelf. She's got one shelf that's dedicated to Harry Potter. And obviously we look at things differently. I want to get into this discussion, so I'm going to bring it up. I, I had her, I had the Cursed Child sent to her in Sleepaway Camp last year talking about that. And obviously we look at this very differently. She was 11 at the time when she read it. She loved it. Can, we t- can I, can I talk about my feelings about? Yeah, no, go, go for it. Letters? To me, Cursed Child in some ways tarnished things a little bit. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Um, on the no 20th spoilers of- about Cursed Child yet? Because I oh. haven't uh, actually read it. Okay, so but, this, um, you can talk about your just, feels. This actually won't be a spoiler. You know that, you know that it... Um, it involves you, time travel. Well, I, I wasn't that. even going to spoil it that much. You know that it involves what happens in the future after 19 years later. So it's yeah. funny because I'm actually one of those people who's a, who is a Harry Potter fan who loved the epilogue. I am a sap for happy endings. And to me, there were certain parts of it. I think about them and I cry. When I think about the fact that Harry Potter tells his children, you know, that they're never going to share a room under his dead body. You're not going to share a room. And I think about Harry's little cupboard under the stairs and the fact that he, that his kids are able to have their own rooms. I burst out crying. Or I think about the fact that Harry who didn't know how to get through platform nine and three quarters needed Molly Weasley to help him, you know, go through the barrier is there showing his kids how to go through and he's telling his kids that they're going to have tea with Hagrid and he's, you know, like he, he's directing them into Hogwarts in a way that he never had. To me, the epilogue is beautiful. And the other week on the 20th anniversary of, you know, the of Harry Potter coming out, I decided to, you know, reread parts of Deathly Hallows. And I got to the last chapter, I got to the epilogue and I couldn't read it. And I was just like, I don't think I could read it. I don't think I could, knowing what I know about Cursed Child, I I feel like it's a little bit tarnished. And I don't want this. I don't want it to be. So I'm hoping, like you talked about, we talk about the legacy. We talk about, you know, how how we're going to think about it in the future. Um, I I, I don't want to, it's not part of canon for me. So the legacy will always be that Harry Potter was this incredible experience, living through it, sharing it with friends, family, the world. Um, it's to me that's Harry Potter's legacy. And on a just to end on a more positive note than my thoughts on Cursed Child, just tonight, right before I got on with you guys, um, so a Facebook friend of mine posted a picture of her daughter holding Harry Potter. I think her daughter's six, and she said we started reading this tonight. And the daughter looked so happy and so proud. And I'm so excited that there's new generations that are starting it and are excited about it and are going to be able to experience it. Because I don't think so. I think these kids are at the point, the ones who are starting it now, they haven't watched the movies yet. They didn't do it with the movies. And they're going to enjoy the books without the movies, hopefully. So that's my thoughts on the Harry Potter legacy. Thanks for oh. thanks for indulging me on that. Oh, no, that's beautiful. And I'm, I, I, think, I think your middle child will come around eventually. I, I feel like that's... Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I've been bugging her about it for years. I mean, it's not exactly like we've been subtle here. Right, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you think about it, like I was just, I, you know, Panina and I were actually kind of like discussing this a little bit yesterday of like how fascinating it is to have a younger generation of people who are, you know, coming into their own likes and dislikes now um, and have their parents be not professionally, but but very deeply uh, invested and involved in like, quote unquote, childish properties like Harry Potter or Star Wars or whatever. Um, And it just occurred to me that that's almost a little bit like what like, 
you know, Alba Severus, like even in even in <laughs> the, the good version um, of the epilogue, like is experiencing, right? And all the kids, because like they they are sort of taking this for granted that they don't they don't know they don't know the struggles, you know, they don't know like right. the initial discovery. Wow. It's kind of like being the being the kid of a Balchuba in in a, in a certain way. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. We I, I actually write, remember I said like, your father should write an essay about that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember actually like I, I think we would discuss this sometimes like about how Muggleborn can yeah, you can really swap it out for like, you know, Balchuba or like We've always said that, yep. Yeah. And the way Arthur Weasley was yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm the ffb who didn't know about the muggle life yep yep so yeah for me i mean yeah again i I wasn't too impressed with the cursed child i think i read it so quickly and like had a very intense initial reaction and kind of just plateaued yeah i just kind of moved on from it although i still am sort of tempted to see it when it comes here because just because i've heard that like as a stage play it's supposed to be beautiful and i like I feel that, you know, um, but so I kind of wish I was like USM, but I don't think I could have stood the, the, the tension of, of not knowing. Um, yeah, uh, it's not very good. I have, I have, I have, uh, serious and fundamental flaws with, or issues with, with the entire concept, but, um, I will say that I do like what they did with, with Draco. I'm, I'm, I'm okay being like, all right, that actually is Draco in 19 years. That's fine. Yes, I, I actually agree with you on that one. Especially because, and, and I, don't, I, I don't think this will spoil it, I, I, don't, I don't think he was, you know, completely redeemed in Kershaw, but I wanted, I wanted him to be redeemed in Deathly Hallows. I was one of those that was hoping he would and really disappointed that he wasn't. And I, I just, I like the humanity that they gave, she gave to Draco, or they gave to Draco in, in Cursed Child. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and, you know, obviously I don't have kids, but, like, you know, my friend's son is turning, he's going to be nine, and so he's been, like, slowly reading them, and, like, my friend was kind of, like, we weren't in super constant communication about it, but, like, this was actually a friend who we, like, we, like, for, Yal and I forced the book on her in, like, a car on the way to the uh, Bronx Zoo on a free Sunday when we were sitting in, like, hours and hours of traffic because everybody goes to the Bronx Zoo on a free Sunday um, or Wednesday or whatever it was um, and she was like she like couldn't put it down like when we were trying to get out to go to you know the zoo um, but which is actually a really funny place to go if you're reading the first chapter oh, yeah. um, but like so her son um, she told me you know like he does he knows his friends have all told him everything that happens because they've all seen the movies and blah 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 and you know whatever um so I had kind of been like oh maybe this isn't going to be like so special for him and he was over a couple of Shabbos ago and he was like Michal do you have um um the Goblet of Fire because I'm in the middle and I want to keep reading and I was like well first of all I was like son excuse me (laughs) do you think I don't have a copy of the Goblet of Fire (laughs) but also I was just like thrilled to pieces that he that he did that also, the kids don't expect adults to really fully get what they're what they're into, and I've made, not in a creepy way, friends with a lot of kids, just by like you know, like showing my interest. Like when they're, I'm like, oh, you're reading Harry Potter, talking about it with them, and they love it. They love being able to talk to adults about the things that are exciting to them. Yeah, and that's 
you know? No, it's, I mean, in my, my brief experiences as a, as a teacher, it was always, like, when I would be, like, has anyone, you know, everybody's read Harry Potter, um, but, like, if kids, like, hadn't seen Avatar or whatever, I was always, like, oh, darn, I'm not sure what I'm going to bond with you guys over, you know? Right. Did anyone do anything fun for the 20th? I quietly I read know. it, read yeah. parts of it. I, I read my favorite chapters. What's your favorite chapter? So actually, my, my favorite chapter in the whole series is in book six, and it's titled Horcruxes, and it's a great conversation between Dumbledore and Harry. Um, but my favorite chapter in Deathly Hallows is The Forest Again. Mm. Oh, God, I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually partly residual, like like I'm remembering you guys talking about this way back when. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite chapter, but I will say that I like relatively recently reread the first two books, and I'm like very slowly doing a reread. And like the Mirror of Erised chapter just like hit me in the stomach, like with, I mean, because because you know Joe does this thing where like you know a lot of the time her writing will be like you know great and breezy and sometimes just hysterically funny, and her incidental details are you know, beyond compare. Um, but then, you know, sometimes it's kind of like, okay, there's a lot of adjectives in here and like, you know, whatever. Um, and then she'll just get to an emotional part where like, you need to understand how Harry, Harry's feeling and like the depths and complexity of that emotion. And it's just like, oh my God, like the, it, it ratchets up to a crazy level. And then you throw Dumbledore in there. And every time she writes Dumbledore, it's like pure genius in my opinion. And and going back yeah. and reading that chapter after knowing everything you oh, know my now God. has yeah. to be. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, tomorrow yeah. Summer, For me, guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite. I don't have a favorite chapter. Or did you do anything feel... for the twentieth? Like. Yeah. Um, I didn't really do anything for the twentieth, but we always in my family we always say every time you know we're we're rereading any of the books, you know, we'll, we'll usually, you know, start laughing at Fred and George's stuff and then read like entire passages out loud of Fred and George being hilarious, you know, and then we always say at some point we need to sit Shiva for Fred and George and like just go through all the books. We need to sit Shiva for Not Fred. George. Not George. George is still alive. I know George's ear is dead, but George <laughs> is still alive. Um, at some point, you know, we need to sit Shiva for, for Fred and go through all of the books and, you know, and read aloud all of the hilarious uh, Fred and George bits so that we can fully appreciate and grieve properly for Fred. Mm. Um, and that would have maybe been a good way to celebrate the 20th anniversary, but um, we still have, have not done that. Yeah, <laughs> I. It's not even a Fred and George line, although it's related. But like, I just uh, one line. If somebody like asks me like Harry Potter funny lines, I'm like it unscrews the other way, McGonagall. Like that just line. That line just <laughs> yeah, like such a good line. seared into my brain. Oh my god. Um, and Samara, what did you did you do anything for the twentieth, or do you have like a favorite chapter? Or um, I tweeted a lot. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was tweeting about anymore. Um, and favorite chapter. I don't have a favorite chapter, but I have a favorite book. It's definitely Prisoner of Azkaban. But in retrospect, I told you I have a lot of thoughts in retrospect as I reread these. And every time I just get so frustrated by everything that happens in that book and most of the books. 
See, I will accept your problems so, yeah. with Sirius. I, I will not accept your problems with Lupin. What are your problems with Lupin? <laughs> <He isn't. laughs> okay, okay, okay. Lupin is a horrible, horrible mentor for Harry. He, like... I mean, sure, he's an emotional wreck, but, like... No, 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 he's horrible. He does the talk. best he can. No, he doesn't! He needs... I mean, Pretty first much. of all, they, they all need a hell of a lot of therapy. Oh, seriously. But, um, Everybody <laughs> in fiction needs therapy. No, 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 okay. But the whole time Sirius is trying to get Harry to replace um, James and then Lupin's telling Sirius, no, don't do that. And then when Sirius is dead, Lupin becomes a raging wreck and like totally changes character. And rather than being like the kind but somber mentor, like an intelligent mentor, he just becomes an emotional wreck that doesn't really like guide Harry in any way. He's the only connection Harry yes, has. And then, and then Harry has to set him straight. Yes, I understand. So there's a little blip, okay? But that doesn't make Lupin a horrible mentor in, like, the entirety of the books. And, and, and the third... Wait, wait, wait. Okay, even back to the third book, he literally is just like, yeah, okay, Harry, like, you should talk to somebody who you... Who everybody, including me, thinks is gonna, like, murder you. Like, maybe you should, like, look to other sides of things. Like, I don't know. I really... I just did my reread over Circus... And I came out of it, and Lupin was my favorite character. I loved him so much, and I was just like, Rebus Lupin, you are a jerk. So I'll be honest, I was always pretty neutral about Lupin. I didn't care, but but the truth is, I mean, it's not crazy to think that he might be an emotionally unstable person. I mean, he was a werewolf from the time he was a child. So I mean, isn't isn't werewolfism, like, often, like, historically been used as, like, for bipolarism or something? It's not. Yeah, or... Well, she not, said that yeah. her metaphor was, you know, uh, for like HIV AIDS. Yeah. yeah. Right, no, 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 but I'm saying like historically it was for a mental disorder. Like, yeah, but she wasn't disorder. going for, you know, trying to. I think that like, you know, she tried, she, she tried to make him, you know, one of the more well-adjusted characters despite everything that he had been through. I mean, I think, yeah. I think in many ways Lupin is well-adjusted, but he's also well-adjusted because he pushes everything down and he also has very little (laughs) control in his life so he has to do that you know like if if he was the type of person who needed to have more control i would he wouldn't have made it this far you know Uh, also okay this is just stupid but like what was he doing in between the time his friends died and went to jail and coming to hogwarts like did she ever discuss that yeah that's a good question did he ever like check in on harry even Right, why didn't he check in on Harry? So that itself, like, I was reading it, and I was just like, what What was he doing? Like, he didn't have a job. I'm, he I doesn't mean, have well, a I mean, blame Dumbledore for that. Yeah, I'm Dumbledore sure that was Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Okay, but that's stuck. not, that's never a discussion that ever happens in the book. Like, and after, and after Sirius dies, there's ne- never a discussion, like, okay, Lupin, like, should take care of you. Like, yeah, he has to go back to Dursley's, but, like, Lupin should check in on you. But, like, if you're such a good friend to his parents... I mean, I got the sense that Lupin also, you know, was kind of wallowing in guilt over what happened and that, like, he should have seen it coming and he blamed himself. I feel oh, like that is, that's just the story of his entire life, I think. Well, yeah, poor Lupin. <laughs> and that's part of the reason he doesn't want to get together with Tonks is because he's just like, you know, I'm part yeah, of the disaster all the time. Yet he Everything has such a... Yeah, but he has such a healthy, like, when, when they're in the forest, you know, with the resurrection stone, all of a sudden Lupin has this great perspective of, you know, I had to die to make my the world a better place that's for my That's why child. it makes me crazy, because that's, that's not I, what he's yeah. like. Okay, you know what? I think I might agree with you now. Good job. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like that he, he, that both of them died. 
I, I mean, well, if she, yeah. if she had to kill one I of them, like fine. They didn't but like, even get a death scene. Yeah, I don't no. like that. And then in the movie, they didn't even fix that. They didn't even show them. I, they they showed them. They did. Briefly. Yeah, uh, well, that was stupid. Ugh. Whatever. The movie final battle was an abomination in many ways. Anyway, the final movie was abomination in many ways. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, um, not to end on like a terrible, you know, sour. Sorry, I'll edit it. One last thought I just want to say is yeah. I, I want to really thank all you guys because contrary to the way it sounded on this podcast, I actually haven't thought about all this stuff a lot recently. And you just brought me back to an amazing thing. I, 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 have, I, I have lost a lot of Harry Potter in my life. And it's been a great stroll down memory lane. And I want to thank you three for, you know, bringing me back. Michal, when you originally asked me to come on, I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go back and talk about this stuff. Um, but it's been amazing, and it's been really great to just jog my memory and, and remember such a great experience. So thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. It was it was really wonderful to have you. And I'm not saying that I want you and Greg to do a Harry Potter reread podcast, <laughs> chapter by chapter. Um <laughs> But, I mean, those words did just come out of my mouth, so I'm not, maybe, I've been thinking about that. Anyway. <laughs> when I get Ezra, who's my 18-year-old, to do it with me sooner than Greg. But... Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, fine. Get Ezra. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's away. Like, you can you can bond over Skype. Oh, that might work. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, ask him. Okay, so that is it for our Harry Potter retrospective. Um, I mean, I'm sure that the subject will arise again in the future. I have I have no doubt about that. But um, it's been really, really wonderful to kind of do a deep dive back into the world of Harry Potter. Um, thank you so much, Pinina, for joining us. Thanks again, seriously. And yeah, if you guys want to, you know, go way back into the into the annals of the internet, you can, you know, search for Harry Potter prognostications, find Greg's blog. It's wonderful. Um, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes, and my writing this month can be found at Billboard.com. And SM, how about you? Um, I'm on Facebook. I have an author page on Amazon for my fiction, and um, actually, I have I should have a piece coming out in Tablet soon about being a rabbi's daughter, so that should be interesting. Awesome! And you can find me online uh, on Twitter at Ink As Rain, and you can find my writing at Hypable.com. And I guess you could like my Facebook author page, even though I haven't updated that in a really long time. Um, as for us at Nice Jewish Fangirls, um, first of all, definitely visit JewishCoffeeHouse.com and visit us on Twitter. Uh, visit that Twitter page um, because there's a lot of great Jewish interest and general awesome podcasts over there. You can find Nice Jewish Fangirls online at uh, Jewish Fangirls on Twitter. You can send us an email at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com, which we'd really appreciate because we actually haven't gotten an email in like a really long time. So like send us an email and like talk to us, etc. Um, you can also reach out if you like on Facebook um, where we are Nice Jewish Fangirls. And as always, uh, you can please, please, please leave us a, an iTunes review I mean, you can. Can you please uh, leave us an iTunes review? Um, we got some really nice ones we recently. We did, and I'm going to do a shout-out um, to Ilan and to Hadassah Lea, who both reviewed us at the end of June, and we so appreciate that. It really does help us for, um, 
you know, iTunes metrics and all of that good stuff. So um, if you would like to share or just let somebody know, like, it, you know, we're all, you know, even if even if you're not Jewish, if for some reason you're listening to this and you're not Jewish, if you're a nerd, you're in an insular community. So like you can just share this other insular thing with other people in your insular community and it totally <laughs> makes sense and is awesome. And anyway, uh, that's all for this also week. Also subscribe. subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe. Did I not say that? Yeah, sorry. I thought that I'm was a sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We will speak to you soon. And live long and prosper, everybody. And all was well. Bye.